Hello and welcome everybody. I'm Diana Shabai Booker. I'm Amy Driscoll. And welcome back to the Theater Forks podcast. Amy, we have a very special guest joining us today. The specialist. The specialist. Here, I'll give everybody three hints to see if they can figure out who it is. First of all, they are not with us in person. Second of all, they have written a brand new musical exclusively for the Fire Hall, making its world premiere next month. And third of all, they are a very good friend of mine. Can anybody guess? Final bonus hint, their last name rhymes with walrus. (laughs) Should have been hint number one. How did I forget? Everybody, please welcome Connor Walgus to the podcast. Good morning. <laughs> Connor said good morning to me three times today, and it is 5.30 p.m. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's my new that. greeting. Appreciate <laughs> that. My new greeting you? is just good morning. Mm-hmm. Connor is joining us from sunny Winnipeg, Manitoba, because mm. the border is closed and things are terrible. But Yeah, thanks for offering to uh, pay for my flight, but I spent that money on mac and cheese so i won't be down there but i'll be up here in winnipeg well at least you have eating six, mac and 600 cheese. boxes of mac and cheese. I, at least yeah. i have 600 boxes of mac that's always what i tell myself think things are bad but at least i have 600 boxes of mac and cheese exactly well we're very excited to have our first remote interview this mm-hmm. is the first time we've ever done that so um connor usually i ask people um are you from grand forks if not how did you find your way here but would you like to talk about your connection to Grand Forks, our, our, your Grand Forks project last year? Absolutely. So uh, I guess backstory, um, you and I, Diana and I, are, are close friends. We went to uh, school together. And when uh, I was doing a show a couple years ago in the summer in Winnipeg at the Winnipeg Fringe, you uh, you and I were talking and I said, you know, I, I might be looking to go away somewhere this year and do some writing you know go for a month or something and just try to get like a show written or something written and you said well why not Grand Forks and I said well why not Grand Forks so uh we we you know communicated and figured something out and you organized everything and got me down there and uh I ended up spending a month uh last February down in Grand Forks and uh and yeah that was so that's I guess that's my that's my connection yeah, did a little show called Less Miserable, not Les Miserables, as everyone thought the poster was. <laughs> Whoops. Surprise! <laughs> Very different show. Um, yeah, so you born and raised in Winnipeg, right? Born and raised in Winnipeg, yes, and here to die, you know? This is the place. <laughs> Good for you. Same, Connor, same. <laughs> if there's any place to die, it's can, it can be Winnipeg, so... <laughs> Um, so let's talk about sort of your, what, do you remember a first theater show you saw or performed in? Sort of how did you get the theater bug? Well, when I was growing up, I didn't do much theater. I, uh, I went to like a summer camp or two, but actually how I got into theater is, um, a kind of ridiculous story is that I went to high school at a high school called Grand Park here. And uh, in grade seven, I got to choose two out of four electives. And the four electives that I could choose were band, art, performing arts, and French. Uh, I didn't know what performing arts was. I thought it was just dancing. And I was like, I don't want to dance, you know. So I was like, great, I'll do art and band because I already know French from my little school, my little French school that I went to as a boy. So... I uh, I chose band and art, and I liked art, but when I was in band, we were choosing uh, instruments. We were, like, testing out our instruments to see what instruments we could play. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to, you know, like, just... <laughs> they don't give you the full instrument. They just give you, like, the mouthpiece, and you have to blow in it. And if it makes a shrill sound, you know you're competent in that instrument or whatever. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I uh, I blew into all the small mouthpieces... And uh, I could play any instrument, apparently. So I was like, I'd really like to play the saxophone. And my footnote here, for anyone wondering why I wanted to play the saxophone so much, is because one of my only early memories as a child was one of my friend's older brothers being like, you have to learn how to play the saxophone because girls will love you if you play the saxophone. And that, you know, those things get lodged in your mind when you're a child and you're like, well, that's just a fact. Right. So that had followed me all the way until grade seven. And so I said to my band teacher, I would really like to play the saxophone. 
my band teacher said to me, uh, you're going to be playing the clarinet. And uh, the only reference I had of the clarinet at in seventh grade was Squidward. Obviously. And I said to myself, I don't want to be like sad old Squidward. So I dropped band, and the only other option was performing arts, and that's how I got into theater. <laughs> I mean, good for you for not taking French, taking the easy way out. Exactly. I could have absolutely you know? done that. I did play clarinet mm-hmm. for seven years. Wow. And I played I'm saxophone sorry, I don't, I... for one year, and I hated it, so... I do want you to know my opinions of the clarinet and Squidward have changed since then. Man, I don't want you to feel like I'm my, on the clarinet. My nearly 30-year-old husband watches Spongebob on the reg, and Squidward is, like, actually relatable and hilarious to me. Oh, absolutely. As a 26-year-old, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He was definitely, like, the character that you didn't want to grow up to be, and now you're like, how could anybody be anything exactly. but Squidward? Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, totally. Just long-suffering Squidward. <sighs> really good one-liners so he does it's so good there's one line spongebob is like you know what's better than being at work all day and squidward says being dead <laughs> <laughs> too good too good spongebob um so do you remember like a first show you did or were in or like do you have any formative theater experiences even if it's not the first one if it's like you know something you saw that just like this changed my perspective Definitely. Um, I mean, like, so I started performing arts at school and I realized like, oh, this is fun. I just get to, you know, goof around. This is great. You know, I get to act and pretend and do all that. So uh, I auditioned for the show that year, which was a good old production of Honk Jr. Um, so I was like Chorus Duck 58 or whatever. <laughs> and I walked around in a big circle on the stage. And that's my only memory of that show is walking around in like a <laughs> giant circle on the stage with like every grade seven and eight because every grade seven and eight was in the show. And then uh, the year after that, the um, there's a place here in Winnipeg called MTYP, which is Manitoba Theater for Young People. And uh, I had gone to summer camp there a couple times. And my parents were like, hey, you know, there's a musical theater company starting up there. Maybe you should go and audition. So I did, and I got in, and they were doing good old Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or I guess Willy Wonka and the Chocolate... I'm not sure. I guess... I don't know what the musical is called. I think it's Willy Wonka. Okay, because I know there's like two movies, movies, and that's always confusing. But uh, so I I was... uh, I I, uh, was in, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and they cast me as Charlie because I was a small blonde boy. Yeah, Uh, you have big Charlie energy for sure. Big big bucket energy, (laughs) as they say. So (laughs) I, uh, I... Played Charlie that year, and then at in high school at the same time, it was my grade 8 year, so, you know, the show was only for grade 7 and 8, so I was, you know, in the in the second year, like, old, you know, these are the people who get the parts year, that year. So we were doing Alice in Wonderland Jr., and so, of course, with my frenetic and manic personality, I'm sure you can guess which zany character I played in Alice in Wonderland. The Mad Hatter! Yeah, absolutely correct. Um, and uh, my Mad Hatter story is one day we were dancing, doing the uh, the big tea dance, and I was <laughs> standing on a chair and jumping around and dancing on the chair, as you do in grade eight. And I just, like, kicked the chair out from under me and just, like, <laughs> fe- <laughs> fell, like, the five feet to the ground. And the whole everybody stopped. It just, the whole room went silent. And I was like, I got up. I was like, what's wrong? We got to keep doing this dance. Come on, hop back on the chair. So there you go. Did When you did MTYP summer camp, was that you were like seventh, eighth grade, still that age? Uh, I think when I was doing summer camp, it was like maybe when I was in grade five or six or something like that. Um, and I can't remember. I think those were like part musical camps, part acting camps. I can't quite remember, but... I absolutely did MTYP summer camp for a couple years when I was like 10 or 11, and we're the oh, same geez. age, we, so we absolutely we probably crossed may, paths there. might have been there together. Find and a no group idea. photo! <laughs> my, my one story of those camps that I do remember, I think I went to an Egyptian camp, I went to a pirate camp, I want to say, I'm not sure though, and there was probably at least another one or two, but when I went to the Egyptian camp, I really didn't know what to expect, like, you know, the only camps I had gone to was like mini U, like 
soccer camp and you just go and you bring your shoes and you play soccer so i thought you had to like prepare for these things so i went online and i looked up hieroglyphics (laughs) hieroglyphics and i like printed out two sheets and like laminated them and brought them in for the camp because i was like we'll probably have to know how to decipher hieroglyphics and looking back now like at the people who ran that camp they were probably looking at me like what the heck is wrong with this kid like he's like okay i gotta go to egyptian camp i gotta print out all of these hieroglyphs come on in and have them all memorized and we're all gonna we're gonna solve the puzzles and they were now. laminated Connor, they were laminated they were laminated are a kid that i would remember forever as right? a, like a ki- i can tell you stories about those kids and now they're very <laughs> successful i as a former as a teacher of children's theater i appreciate you amazing well thank you i appreciate that i definitely went to like a murder mystery sort of themed one and it gave me nightmares i remember that <laughs> too young too young for murder mystery but now, now i love of course <laughs> come on kids who was murdered who was murdered children literally they like all the counselors like acted out scenes where someone got stabbed and they had like red <laughs> yarn coming up oh, it was like okay it's the good old days <laughs> yeah we can't do that anymore. Can't <laughs> mind stabbing anybody. We, well, we can't even call Wink Murder, the theater game, Wink Murder anymore. It's Frogger. Oh. And instead of like, so you stand around in a circle and the murderer can only kill you by winking. So if I right. like wink at you, you have to die. Right. Yes. I, but so now the game is called Frogger. And instead of winking, you like, and like stick your tongue out. Nobody, that's way more obvious. Right? Yeah. All I'm saying. All right. Um, let's get over childhood trauma. Um, do you have any favorite musicals? Uh, I like, not any, like, particular, I I know some people have, like, you know, the one. I don't know if I necessarily have the one. I, uh, I managed, right before the big old, uh, COVID times, I managed to get over to New York and watch Beetlejuice, which was insane. It was uh, just unbelievable. Just, like, what a what a show um so that is probably like one of my one of the best shows that i've seen in person i would say one of my favorites actually right before we were setting up to do the podcast i looked at my phone and my phone sometimes just you know has a song there like ready to play randomly on the home screen i don't know why it thinks i want to listen to a song but today was a song from beetlejuice hey folks begging your pardon excuse me Sorry to barge in. Now let's skip the tears and start on the whole, you know, being dead thing. You're doomed. Enjoy the singing. The sword of Damocles is swinging. And if I hear your cell phone ringing, I'll kill you myself. The whole being dead thing. Yeah, so I think maybe that um, I I listen to Songs for a New World a lot. Uh, I I just love the songs in that show Tell me what I did wrong I'm a king of the world chief of the sea high in the wind at least I used to be I'm a king of the world please set me free let me remind them of my promise live my given destiny but yeah I would say those are like my my tops my top my top musicals, you know. You have a lot of, like, you've seen a lot of shows that I wish I had seen and that makes me mad that you got to see them and I didn't for some reason. Like <laughs> Beetlejuice, Spongebob. Oh, yeah, Spongebob. I saw Spongebob in previews. Yeah. So the, my hilarious Spongebob story, which uh, God bless the usher who sat us, um, we went into... So my I was visiting my friend in New York and uh, we saw Spongebob the musical was like in previews and we were like, well, we got to go see that. And I think it was like 30 bucks or something. So it was like nothing. That's yeah. so cheap. Yeah. And so, and we had no idea what to expect. Um, and so we went in and uh, <laughs> they had the whole like theater decorated with like pool noodles and like algae and stuff. Um, like shiny kind of ribbons as like the algae. So you felt like you were underwater. And uh, we went up to the second floor for our, you know, like walk up seats in the back back of the balcony. And so we uh, we walked in and the usher said, uh, hi there. Oh, 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 sorry. 
welcome to Bikini Bottom. And I'll <laughs> never forget that. I that is that will forever be seared into my mind. That's just hilarious. that poor Usher oh realizing God. her mistake and going, "Welcome to Bikini Bottom." <laughs> Big Squidward energy, for sure. Big Squidward energy. This kind of day couldn't get much better, but it keeps on trying. I'm on my way. Somewhere there's a Krabby Patty that needs frying. And who's the lucky sponge in the mirror who is living his dream? Who's always extra careful with his dental hygiene? That's a that's yeah. a very fun show, yeah. for sure. Yes, that's a really I, we good have one. gone on quite a bit about SpongeBob and Beetlejuice both <laughs> Beetlejuice on this both podcast. On this podcast, nice. so you're in good company. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. So, you are a writer, lyricist, playwright, dabbling composer now of musicals. Apparently. I know you don't like mm-hmm. the word composer, but that's. Writing music is composing it. <laughs> it is. Te- I'm technically a composer, though I. Uh, admittedly don't really know how music really works at all but uh we you know slop stuff together and it works so so how did you get into that um so i started writing for theater when i was in grade i want to say grade 10 or 11 um i was in the musical theater company at m2ip and there was a friend there who was like writing music uh just like you know uh like rock slash pop slash etc music and so uh we kind of connected and said you know why don't we try writing a show because there's this festival that happens every year at the fringe or at the in winnipeg called the fringe so we decided why don't we try to write a show for the fringe festival and try to put it up so we uh, brainstormed ideas and we were thinking you know what is a weird topic to write a musical about and uh, I was sitting in MTC warehouse which is a theater up in Winnipeg and I was with my dad and I was telling him you know we're we're thinking of weird topics to write a musical about and my dad suggested he said well why don't you write a show about taxidermy and so my friend and I said well why don't we write a show about taxidermy? And so we ended up writing a show and it was uh, off the wall bonkers, just a full like 90 minutes of pure unadulterated insanity. And we put it up. And at this point, uh, I wasn't even like 18 yet. I think I was like 17. So we were at the fringe, which is like, you know, weird shows, lots of drinking. And here I am as like a, you know, spry wee little 17 year old not able to drink and i'm just like you know writing this and performing this absolutely raunchy fest that we're doing i'm upset my dad said i was never to cross him i can't see why he likes it it's just something he's lost in a family tradition turned into an obsession now i'm stuck working in this shitty profession do you know life is a little bit bad when you used to be your dad you're the protection to be protected to be protected to be protected to be so uh that was the first foray and then uh, it went really, really well. We got uh, really good feedback from it. Um, people really liked it. So we did a, another show the next year. And then since then, uh, we'd done a couple of shows together. And then now I've done a couple of shows that I've uh, written on my own. So yeah, that's like kind of the Genesis story. Also, I'm going to drink some water because I'm getting all crackly over here. So yeah, this... Uh, friend Connor's talking about. I went to school with this friend all throughout elementary and high school, and then I went to go see Taxidermy the Musical because I knew this friend, and then I actually went twice because I loved it so much. And then I guess it would be two years later is when we met in college, and yeah. I was like, I know that guy. That's the Taxidermy guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then here we are. 
And here we are, Dream which is team. just wild to think, but so, very yeah, cool. A song called I Want to Mount You uh, is really the genesis of our friendship. Absolutely. Which is a beautiful yeah. song. Very raunchy, <laughs> but a very good song. Also, apologies if uh, my fan in my apartment just turned on. I have no oh. control over it. I told it to turn off, and it turned back on. So, sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Being very defiant right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, that. yeah, it, it's very strange. Oh, like it's it's very uh, it, it acts up quite a bit. I don't know why I'm talking about my fan on the podcast, but uh, yeah, it uh, it it just turns off and on, and half the time I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like in hot sweats and I can't sleep. But uh, you know what can you do? In sweet washer and dryer, what can you do? You know, you gotta settle. You gotta settle on the other fronts. So, fool's gold. Is a Fool's Gold. brand spanking new musical about to make its debut at the Fire Hall. What is Fool's Gold about? <laughs> I was gonna say, wow, that sounded like a good musical. Could you tell me what that's about? But <laughs> you beat me to the punch. Uh, well, okay, so um, yeah, so I guess quick, quick backup, and then we'll go forward to Fool's Gold. Um, so as mentioned, but last year I came down to Grand Forks and uh, we wrote uh, we put on a show called Less Miserable. So that was basically, you know, a parody of Les Mis, uh, really like flipped on its head. So that went so well. That was just like such an incredible time. So then obviously, you know, COVID hit and then it was like, well, what the heck is theater anymore? So me up here in Winnipeg, uh, I was planning on doing Less Miserable for the Fringe Festival this past year, but obviously it was canceled because of COVID. So uh, I just had this show and a cast that I had just casted like while I was in Grand Forks slash early March. And at that point, like, this is like, you know, super early pandemic. We didn't know if this was going to be like a like a swine flu situation, you know? Was this just going to like, great, in a month we'll all go line up in a weird mall, get a shot, and then we'll be back to normal. So we were planning, you know, like, we're probably going to do this show, but we just won't be able to rehearse together. And then uh, obviously Fringe was canceled. So at that point it was like, you know, well, what are we going to do? So up here in Winnipeg, we uh, turned it into like a video show instead and we did that as a kind of like video uh indiegogo fundraiser for this coming year fringe <laughs> which has i believe officially now been canceled as well um but through that um obviously you know the season uh down there in grand forks obviously you know what's what you're gonna do right the we gotta figure out a way to do theater so luckily uh you two uh politely asked me to crack down and write a whole new show well, i believe it was amy because you were on the yeah, board yeah i was at on the board point. last year i was on the season selection committee and right. had been given the directive by the former ed right. that we needed free things and i was like well let me reach out to my playwright friends <laughs> absolutely and uh amy you told me you know you're not allowed to use anything you've already written before it has to be totally new fresh uh for this year so, uh, you know, all my plans were out the window. I, I quit my job. I stopped working completely. I put all my focus into the show. And now it's finally complete. That was a that was a lie. Amy said that I could, you know. I think I told you, <laughs> um, these are our patrons. Do you have anything that fits? And you're like, well, Probably not. not. Really. He said, give me two weeks. And then you wrote another show And then in two all weeks. of a sudden there was a new, beautiful, <laughs> wonderful show. And every time I give somebody a synopsis of what it is, they all go, <laughs> I'll have to come check that out. <laughs> 
a so couple of yucks. That's good. good that's a good that's reaction exactly to the premise. That's exactly where mm-hmm. this show rides, yeah. So I guess for anybody unfamiliar who's listening, uh, Fool's Gold, the idea behind it, I guess the log line is uh, two hicks in a get-rich-quick ri- get scheme decide to steal the prop treasure chest from a pirate-themed dinner theater. But when they find out it's filled with something they don't expect, hilarity ensues. Because all log lines have to end with hilarity ensues. Because, like, otherwise, yeah. what are you even doing? Why, why would you why even watch a show? Right. There's no hilarity ensuing. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to watch a show that's, like, tragedy ensues. Yeah. Sign me up for that. That's just my <laughs> no life. thanks, Shakespeare. I'll stay home. I'll be Squidward in bed, not right? go out into the world. At least I'll be cozy. <laughs> So the show is exciting. Well, first of all, it's exciting because it's exciting to have a world premiere here again. Um, It's exciting because we're going to present it outside. So live theater is coming back to the fire hall, which is incredible. And I said it um, last episode with uh, Chris Berg, but I'll say it again here. The last thing, the last live theater here was less miserable. And the first thing back will be Fool's Gold, which is very cool. Pretty incredible. Very cool. Yeah. I like that. I like that universal symmetry that happens sometimes. Uh, Yeah. A Connor for all seasons. Yeah. Um. (laughs) A Connor for... Ah, that should be a t-shirt. Connor for all seasons. Ain't got no time for painting fences. Ain't got no time for walking dogs. Ain't hard to see. It ain't great to be some working jerk who ain't worth more than a hog. Cleaning toilets Ain't got no time for cutting lawns But I guarantee If you stick with me Then just like that one day We's gonna be gone Cause I'm gonna get rich quick There ain't no way I'm chasing hay Like dogs go after a stick Ain't no dream and ain't no scheme Cause this old dog's got a trick It's also exciting because I'm directing this show, which is very wonderful. Um, But it's exciting in a different way because this is kind of the first show you've written where you are not, you don't have your little mitts all over it. (laughs) My little mitts, I like that. I do not have my little mitts all over it. My little mitts are stuck up here in Winnipeg. Yeah. So what's that like for you? Just like you're involved and I... You know, you're in our Facebook group, and I told the cast to reach out to you, but, like, you're not here moving these people yourself. So what's that experience like? It's so weird. Just for context, like, uh, just, I'll give a quick explanation of, like, what the Fringe is like, because I'm sure it's it's very much like you have to experience it or you don't really know. But the Fringe is basically, like, there's a lottery, and you enter the lottery, and if they pick your name, your company name, you're doing a show. And they're just like, give us, you know, X hundred dollars. You have the theater for these times sporadically over the course of two weeks. You'll have 15 minutes to load in your show, 15 minutes for the audience to come in. Then you'll do your show, and then you'll have 15 minutes to load out of the theater, and then the next show will start loading in. So it's like, it's just like back to back to back to back to back all day at like 20 theaters all across the city. And when you're doing a fringe show, like you're not going to make any real money off of it. So it's not like, great, we'll get a direct, like for the most part, or for us at least, we're not going to, you know, we'll get a director and we'll get, you know, a cast and we'll get a music director and all this stuff. Like, you're not going to make any money off of it. You you might make like a barely, you know, you might cover your costs. So really, it's like, great, we're going to write the show, we're going to perform in the show, we're going to direct the show, we're going to do everything for the show, we're going to design the posters, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Like, it's just you have to do absolutely everything because uh, <laughs> no one else is going to do it. So it's that has been my experience with shows, uh, for shows that I've written forever. Like, it's always just been like, great, we're going to write it, we're going to figure out everything, we're going to figure out the sets, costumes, props, direct it, choreograph it, uh, do all the singing, figure out all the songs, make all of the music tracks, like do everything for the whole show. Then we're going to go in and we're going to put it on for two weeks. So even with Less Miserable last year, it was still like, great, like I'm there writing the show, but we're still, you know, 
working on it together and the cast is coming in and like, you know, I got to still direct it, but it's very, very strange now to, this is my first experience with it where it's like, you know, I wrote this thing and I, you know, put it in a box and I shipped it away to y'all. And now I like, I, I, my mitts are kind of like digitally, you know, still involved in some ways, but, uh, it's very, it's a very weird feeling, not to say a bad feeling. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of cool feeling because it's that feeling that like, oh, wow, this thing that I did is going to like catalyze without me necessarily watching every step of that catalyzation, um, which is like a cool feeling. Uh, but I mean, obviously, I wish the world was a little different and I could at least like calm down and, you know, see the people's faces and stuff, not just over Zoom, but when when we can return, I will return, and that's all that we can, you know, keep our mitts on for right now. Listen, I think we should just set up a nice little apartment in the fire hall basement for you, and Fair. you'll just be the phantom of the fire hall. I don't even have okay to be that. in the basement. We could build. I mean, we're building dressing rooms. Why don't we just build a small, like a little sleeper bunk room? bed? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, be like this is there's a very a potty up here. It's a very Manitoba reference, but it'll be like the nonsuch where there's all the tiny beds underneath. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we could re- we could convert the shoe loft. <gasps> That's the perfect spot True, for Connor to live. The shoe loft. The shoe loft. Yes. Mm-hmm. Most that of those shoes are smell. garbage. So great. Get at, get at least a queen size air bed up there. Wow, that's absolutely very spacious. So, I like it. When I was visiting New York once, uh, I stayed in an Airbnb, and uh, the woman who had the Airbnb had a big blow up, like giant queen size blow up mattress. And but the Airbnb ad made it look like a regular bed, which was hilarious. So I got there and I, you know, leaned on it, and it just kind of like, like flopped a bit. <laughs> And I looked and realized it was an air mattress, and she saw the look in my eyes, and she went, oh, well, you know, so there's no bed bugs. And I was like, oh, of course. That's the reason. Yes, of course. <laughs> That's the reason. Yeah. I stayed, we stayed in a studio Airbnb in New York once, and there were six of us. Ooh. <laughs> and there was a bed, a trundle, and an air mattress, and a fridge. <laughs> That was, like, the, wow. like, row of beds, and we were all, like, ten in the bed, yep. and the little one said, and I, of course, <laughs> was on the air mattress with my friend Jacqueline, who is quite a bit lighter than I am, so by the morning, I would be, like, face in the fridge, <laughs> and she'd be, like, above me, and I'd get up to go to the bathroom, and she'd just, like, whoosh, like, fall to the oh, floor, yeah. like, it was uh, so silly. The joys of sharing an air mattress with someone. Every air mattress, it starts inflated, and by the by the morning, it is half deflated. No matter the quality, you could duct tape every seam, and it'll still be half deflated by the time you wake up. Uh. So I, uh, the same Airbnb that I was staying at, um, I arrived and I opened the door and the first thing that, uh, the owner said to me, she said, hi, I just cleaned the floors. Can you please be careful? Uh, can you take your shoes off at the door? Yeah. Okay. That sounds very reasonable. I take the shoes off at my house all the time. Like I'm not a shoe house. I think that's blasphemous. So I will take my shoes off. So... I got set up, I put all my stuff in the room, and then I went out for a night on the town, because you're in New York, so you gotta go, you know, see New York. Uh, But it was, like, raining a fair bit that night, and I was trudging around with my year-old Converse shoes with large holes in the soles, and uh, my socks were drenched by the time I got back with, like, you know, dirty New York rain sewer garbage water as one gets when they're in New York, uh, as a souvenir. So I, I trudge up to the apartment and I take off my shoes and I realize I can't walk across this like pristine white tile floor that this woman just cleaned, like paid to get cleaned. I would be a monster. So I took my socks off, but my feet were also like waterlogged. So I like (laughs) my first night there, I'm like, feel like I'm going to get, you know, like killed by this person who kept their house super clean i'm gonna wake up in the middle of the night with like a knife in my throat so i i like squish I like i squish across the floor very like squidward like just like i get all the way to the, the room 
And I like grab the one hand towel that she's left for me to use for the five days. And I'm like, great. I dry my feet off. I like put my socks over like beside the bed where she's not going to like smell them or whatever. And then I have to like walk back to the front of the apartment and like (laughs) wipe as I move slowly backwards to like clean off the dirty water from the whole floor. And so I, you know, I sneak backwards and I like wipe up and I was like, well, there goes my face towel for the week. Um, But as far as I know, she has no idea that it happened. So I think I'm in the <laughs> Until clear. now. Until, Until now. now. She's a so. big theater forks fan. I know she is. Obviously. Connor, I have a question yeah. for you. You have a, I, 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 I can answer that, that question. Um, so do you envision, like, what do you envision for yourself? So, like, Diana and I have had this conversation, like, dream job for the rest of your life in mm. you know what would you be doing are you are you going to be the next Stephen Sondheim what's your what's your goal what's your plan before Connor answers that I have said to him and this is true that he is the Stephen Sondheim to my Hal Prince <gasps> so Fair. if he writes it Absolutely. I'll produce it even with, with, think... with every idea you've had and you tell me about it I'm like yeah that sounds okay and then I <laughs> with magic with Les Mis with Fool's Gold I'm like yeah okay but and then here we are so I don't think, yeah, I don't think I'll ever convince you with an idea. The thing is that I don't think there's a single musical out there that you could name that you tell somebody the premise of, and they're like, I want to see that show. It, it it can almost never happens, especially the big ones. Like, think of, like, the biggest musicals of the last decade, and it's like, well, what's it about? Yeah. And they're like, uh, you know. Right. It's about a kid, and he's in school. And you're like, cool, sounds good. And then you watch it, and you're like, <laughs> My life has changed. Right? Like Alexander Hamilton. Who? Right. The guy on the ten dollar bill. Okay. Mormon Mormon missionaries go to Africa. Musical. Right. Like what? Yeah. It's interesting. But I think, yeah, to to answer your question, I mean like I I I'm a very like frenetic person, so I can't I've never been able to see myself like doing one thing forever. Mm -hmm. Uh just because my brain is very much like I get into something and then my brain's like, hey, here's another idea. You should stop and work on that oh, nonstop. Connor, I have never connected with someone more holy. <laughs> Absolutely. Same. Absolutely. I'm the same way. No one abandoner. Yeah. I'll come back later. <laughs> yeah. So that is one of the things is like I couldn't ever picture myself doing one thing forever, but my dream would be to be a quote unquote i guess like artist as they say but i'd really like to you know write stories i guess so i guess like the the word would be storyteller but you know i'd like to write um some books and you know some musicals and shows and stuff i think musicals and novels are kind of like the two areas that i've been drawn to the most but also like making I don't, I've never, I've never won, I've never had like a desire to make like a movie, but I would like to maybe write some scripts and maybe one day like, you know, have a script made or something. That's like kind of a, kind of a dream. But I guess like the ultimate dream is just like having, being able to live off of the creativity and like, you know, make cool stuff. And I have other people also making that cool stuff. That's always been like, you know the end goal for I think a lot of creative people is just like you know having fun because when you're in the process it's like the dream right like last year with less miserable it's like that was the dream you just get to work non-stop like I was just you know pulling 12 to 15 hour days every day and that was incredible mm-hmm. so I think that's like the the ultimate the ultimate dream but we'll we'll slowly work our way hopefully in that direction and uh see how see how life pans out yeah well i mean you've already how many books have you do you currently have under your belt uh i've like i've only published technically uh three or four and two of them are like picture books but um i have written like a fair number i've written a bunch of novellas and a couple of novels and i started working on something like right at Christmas time and I was really excited for it and I actually like it's something that I will finish at some point which is a book 
but unfortunately, uh, I, <laughs> I guess not unfortunately, but I was offered, I was offered a, a job, uh, just after Christmas. So I was like, well, I'll put that creative work on pause because boy, do I already have enough on my plate and now I'm going to be working, you know, yep. full time. So that's kind of on pause, but eventually I'd like to get that book written, which uh, I won't say anything about because it'll jinx it. (laughs) Right. Can't talk about the project. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I understand. Like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think think you're right. I think the ultimate goal for all of us is to just be able to live by doing our creative projects. You know, and you spend enough time working full time so that you can give your creativity a better life. Like, you know, work hard to get a bigger apartment so your dog can live better. But, like, at the end of the day, you would just love to be like, this is just my job now. And I, you know, I'm lucky that I've sort of stumbled into that. This is just my job now. That's right. So, I mean, that's which is great. And you can always do more. But, yeah. Have you been listening to slash watching reading anything good lately oh yeah connor what are you listening to what are you watching what are you reading right now so here's the here's the deal okay uh i up until this year i could i could define myself as a true voracious reader for five years i read on average over a book a week which is obscene incredible way too much reading um but this year it's been four months, and I think I've read two books, which is very sad. That's like I've the read more than that this year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My partner is really rubbing it in my face right now. Every <laughs> every time I'm around, she's just like, "Listen, I've read more books than you, and you're a failure." She wouldn't, she wouldn't say that, but you know, she's she's gloating, and for fair reason. I mean, yeah, she's surpassing me by triples. You know, but. Uh, yeah, I um so I just I, I just read another uh Haruki Murakami book. I, I like his uh fiction quite a bit. It's really weird, but every single book like feels similar in tone for some strange reason. You like the, it's just like a very particular taste and it's very nice to return to. So um that is nice. So general recommendation of, you know, Haruki Murakami. Um and otherwise, I've been actually like watching a lot more uh, movies recently because um, big. And I know this is gonna, this this is going to be controversial. Um, I didn't watch any of like the classic movies growing up, um, and, and like any of them. So now this past winter, I did like a movie winter where I watched like a movie, like a classic movie, every day, five days a week for like two months straight, just so I could like you know catch up on the movies you know so i watched like all the movies for the first time which was really cool like that was really nice um but uh so part of it has been trying to like catch up with the movies um but i we i just rewatched get out and that oh my god is oh, that a yeah. phenomenal an absolutely phenomenal film um and uh there's I, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but uh, I, I watched uh, the Kingsman movie in the second one, which held up relatively well. But in the second movie, uh, there's there I think Elton John is like actually in it, which is absurd. But there's this great scene where this robot dog is like charging at this dude and Elton John like dives in the way. And you see it from like the robot dog's perspective. And it's like the screen and it says Elton John detected friend. And it's like one of my favorite. It's seared into my mind. I'll always, I'll always remember Elton John detected friend. It's just, it's there forever. Um, what have have you two been? Do you have any like books or movies? Oh uh, yeah, or? I just finished a book last weekend called. But I, what I really want to do is direct. It's by Ken Quapis, who Ooh. does um, a lot of TV and movies. He was a big director on uh, The Office. He did a lot of episodes for that. He directed. Um, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and um, Follow That Bird, the Sesame Street movie. But he's been he's like been directing for a very long time. And it was just it was a really great book about how he got started and just like his approach. And I found a lot was really helpful to me. He had a really good section about giving notes and Mm. making them playable notes. So it's like you make the actors think 
it's their idea and they find motivation in it. So yeah, it was, that was really great. Um, what else? I use, a lot of days I come home and I'm like, I'm working and now we're working on this show and mm -hmm. I'm like, I need to turn my brain off. So Jeremiah and I yeah. really gotten into Cutthroat Kitchen lately, nice. which is, what's that Food Network with Alton Brown and- Oh yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So oh, on, I love Alton Brown. Yeah. Ugh. So that's on Hulu. So we've been binging our way through that. I'm also watching <clears> Friends again. Cause again, I just need to turn my brain off and like, has Friends aged well? No, but I've memorized every episode. So yeah, I put it on absolutely. and I fall asleep. You don't need to, yeah, you don't need to think about it. Exactly. Well, that's where I'm at with Shit's Creek. Like, exactly. Tuesday night after hey, yeah. a very intense meeting. Yes. Fold in the cheese episode was on. Perfect. And I just needed it. Exactly. I just needed it. Andy Weber. I need to, yeah. I need to tell you that I, that uh, my partner and I just started watching Shit's Creek. <gasps> Yay! Uh, she's watched it before. I have not watched it and I've. Just started watching it, so I think we're like most way through season two. But days earlier, I watched the fold in the cheese, and then I saw your GIF on Facebook, and I was like, "Yes, yes, Sonic, yes. just, just fold in the cheese. cheese, right?" It's so funny, and it's like, and I just, you know, my mom and I were talking about this um, because we both agree that Shit's Creek could live forever because they're my best friends, and I just want to know what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. <laughs> but I really respect Dan and Dave Levy. Eugene and Eugene and Daniel, yeah, Eugene and Dan Levy. David is the character, um, <laughs> because they knew when to stop. Yes, they they mm -hmm. gave the show. The show had an arc. It had a starting point and an ending point, and they respected the show and the characters enough yes. to end the series. Exactly. And like that, to me, is just yeah. Like, applause for it. It's when it was in the height of its popularity because it started right. getting on Netflix and yep. everyone's watching mm -hmm. it and they were like, nope, it's over. They I, could have run for at least five more seasons. I have not, I don't think, I have the same feeling about Breaking Bad. They mm. they were five and a half seasons is what they call it. They refuse to call it a sixth season. And I have a theory about this. Ask me about my Breaking Bad theory, everybody. But <laughs> same thing. It went on Netflix. It got really popular and they're like, nope, this story is over. And right. Breaking Bad is like, I don't think it could have run that much longer because it's a drama and comedies right, you can't, yeah. right but like they could have kept going because it was a money maker and they're like nope this is the story yeah. and it is like a perfect show yes Breaking Bad is so yeah. good yeah agree i'm gonna yeah. start i'm gonna start watching watching breaking bad again i only got through like two and a half seasons and then it started to make me physically ill i get too invested um, yeah. And then I need to, like, take a break, and yeah. I never went back. And then by the time I come back after the break, I have to start over because I've forgotten. Right. And I, yeah. you know, so, like, I, I'll, shows that get really intense sometimes, I either yeah. have to, like, binge them all. Right. Or I have to, like, take breaks and then remind sure. myself what's going and, on. And it, and it is intense, of course, but I, I just, mm -hmm. I have such an appreciation for really gray characters. Yes. Like, I yeah. don't like what Walter White is doing, but I'm still cheering for right, him because that's like how it was set the, up. Yeah, yep, exactly. You were supposed to. Even when he totally flips, it's like right. Yeah, it's so it's so good how they have anyway. Breaking Bad yeah, that's forever. One thing about the uh, the Kingsman movies is the villains in them. You you agree actually with like what the villains are trying to do? Like the first one, the guy's just like, I'm trying to you know cut like climate emissions, and you're like, well, of course. And in the second one. The villain's like, I want all drugs to be legalized. And it's like, well, yeah, obviously. So it's it's very fun to watch because you're like, mm, I don't totally agree with your methods, but like someone's got to do something about these issues, right? Like somebody's got to take it into their hands. Yeah. Also, re Shits Creek. I was talking to my parents who watched all of it. And I said, I realized while I was watching the show, I was like, Roland and Jocelyn the joke obviously is their names are roll in shit and jostle in shit, which I had not realized until I heard it said all at once. And I told my mom, I said, do you get it? It's roll in shit. And my mom says, no, his name's Roland. And I was like, well, <laughs> that one flew over you. That's okay. You'll get the next one. I yeah. think Roland shit has the biggest come around for me. Like, from season one until the end of the series, right. like I could have like cut Chris Elliott out of the series. Oh yeah, in season you can't one, stand him. Can't in the beginning. stand him yeah. in the beginning, and his mm -hmm. character arc is so magnificent. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going on a trip next week. Um, would love a book recommendation. I'll Ooh. be on the airplane. What kind of what kind of book reads do you like? 
Oh, yeah, give us some uh, give us some ideas, ideas some okay, some things so, that you want to experience. Uh, I love. I never thought that I was like a comedy person. No, I've been watching a lot of stand up. So even like a comedy biography or a funny book, mm. I could do. Um, I really love the author Jodi Picot um, for her like hard researching mm-hmm. current event books. Um, I just started The Night Circus by Aaron Morgan, um, and I think that has the potential to be really good, but if it doesn't yeah. grab me right away, I'm a, I'm a known abandoner. Yep. So. Well, if you're into sexy reads, my mom has three <gasps> books out Barbara on Kellen. Amazon. Barbara Ooh. Kellen. Kellen with a Y. Barbara uh, Kellen. They are called The Company She Keeps, Morning Man, and Deja You, all available on Amazon. Barbara Kellen, K-E-L-L-Y-N. Um. Check her out. Early Mother's Day gift. Buy my mother's book. Um, wow. I always see ladies reading dirty things on the plane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a nice, on my phone. Probably. There you go. It's a nice light read. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Send you in your Rex. You know what I'll actually like recommend from both me and Diana? Because Diana sent me this book in the mail. Uh, is One More Thing by BJ Novak is hysterical and heartbreaking. Uh, so it's just like a short stories. And it's, yeah, it's one of... One of the few books that I've read that I have laughed at. Like, I, I I read a lot, and there's a lot of funny things that I think people are like, I was laughing out loud. I, like, never laugh when I'm reading. But that was one of the ones where I was like, this is so, like, absurd. Like, yeah, I, like, I very vocally laughed in that first story about the tortoise and the hare. When it gets to, there's a one particular line. If you've read the book, you know it. But there's one particular line, and you get to it, and you're just like, "Oh my god!" I've just like pent up all this laughter for the past like page and a half, and then it just explodes, and you're like, "That is the funniest way of phrasing that in the whole world." Yeah. That's well, that's going on my list. Yeah, I read that book, and then I recommended it to Connor, and I was like, "It's like three dollars used on Amazon. I'm just uh-huh. gonna buy it for him and surprise him." And then. He ordered a copy for himself, and they, like, came on the same day or something like that. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. it was wild. He just, <laughs> two copies showed up, and I was like, I was going to surprise you, but you but bought it for yourself, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I texted you about it, too. I was like, look, isn't this crazy that I ordered one copy of the book and two arrived? And you're like, I bought that for you, <laughs> you ungrateful, <laughs> you ungrateful man. Ungrateful beast. <laughs> Give me my $3 back now. <laughs> Yeah, so that's yeah, awesome. I'll yeah, take that recommendation. Yeah, what are you uh, what are you listening to right now, Connor? Are you a music guy? You listen to the musics? I listen to some musics. Uh, I, I listen to more musics before because I would. Uh, I, I am a bicycle commuter, as they say. I by choice and also because I don't have a driver's license because I failed four times. But uh, I bike a lot. I biked a lot before you know the pandemic hit and I wasn't going anywhere. Uh, so I would listen to music a lot then, but now I don't really listen to a lot of it. Um, Diana got me into Paramore, which has been really great. <laughs> yes, I've been reliving Love. my emo phase through Connor. Which I saw fun. them at Bonnaroo Music Festival and Whoa. Haley Williams sang into a bullhorn. <laughs> wow. Best yeah. I've life. seen them a couple of times. They're, they're very good mm-hmm. live. Yeah. Yeah. The other one would be, uh, uh, <laughs> long pause. Um, uh, Boston's first album is, I didn't realize had so many songs. I think it's their first album, but it has like more than a feeling. And like every other song you listen to and you're like, I know this song, like back to front. Um, so that has been like a cool little, that's a nice one. Um, I think that's been most, that's like most of the, most recent ones but yeah i always the 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 music that really fits me is this band called everything everything and uh they're they have an album called get to heaven and it is just like it is at like it feels like the inside of my brain just like noise insanity just like loud crazy weird like the guy sings in like a uh, weird falsetto for a lot of it. And it's just like, it's so strange, but so like weirdly satisfying. So I always recommend like, if you want a really weird, some really weird music to listen to, try Get to Heaven by Everything Everything. See if you like it because it, it opens up a whole new weird world of, of music. I'll add that to my playlist too. I mean, as long as I'm going to be listening to everything in my head. There you go. Putting it on my list. <laughs> it's on my list. 
Exactly. exactly. What about you two? Any two? Any uh, new music? Any new music that you've got? Uh... No. Company original cast recording. Heck as yeah. always, American Utopia. As all I said it every single episode. I love. I drove to Fargo and back today, and on the way there, I listened to American Utopia, and on the way back, I listened to my um my fall playlist because I'm wearing my fall boots today, and it's basically just um like Fleetwood Mac and Brothers Landreth and Tragically yeah. Hip and just me being oh yeah acoustic emo a lot of phoebe bridgers yeah that's that playlist so i i don't have a lot of new anything i've added like i try to add like if i like listen to an artist or i see something by a new art i try to like add to my like shuffle Mm -hmm. um we've just been living on the shuffle a lot lately but i've added a couple new country artists which i know like boo country no one likes country but me um but ingrid andreson is her name um, and the song that, like, cooked me was called Ladylike. And it's just, like, an album full of sad ballads, which is my mm. favorite. <laughs> nice. Um, and Chris Stoner, a friend of the pod, uh, turned me on to the Tori Amos album, Strange Little Girls. Uh-huh. Which is just covers of other songs. Oh, like, cool. she does Eminem's, uh, like, 2000, Bonnie and Clyde. But she's in like this like weird whisper like, vocal. it's magnificent I love so that. if you That's want cool. another weird album to listen to connor tori amos strange little girls check it out cool there's uh there's a song i thought of then when you said country that uh i was listening to a lot a summer or two ago i think it's called out there by the lake or down there by the lake it's one of the two um but you don't look at the lyrics just go in Listen to the song. It's quite funny. Uh, yeah, it's it's a good one. It's a good one. I spend my summer out there by the lake anyway, yeah, so do. perfect. <laughs> in the in the list. Yeah. All right, we have a rehearsal to get to. Yeah, ma'am has to... You guys have rehearsal. We do. So let's wrap this thing up. Um, local I'm getting my mitts ready. Your mitt, get your, crack yeah. those mitts. Um, local theater happening in Grand Forks. Um UND's Songs for a New World is streaming now. Go check that out. Um, I saw Grand Forks Public Schools. High schools are doing stuff yep. this spring. This weekend is Children of Eden at Red River. And, uh, n- oh, this this is all already. Yeah, so yet. it will already uh, Congratulations, Children of Eden cast. Uh, <laughs> cast and Central is doing You're in Town, um, which is exciting. I love that too. And what else is happening? Um, NDSU is doing Annie, Annie starting... End of this month or beginning of May. Um, Fool's Gold, of course. Middle of May. Come check it out. Bring your own seat. Um, And our friends across the street, The Empire, announced their 10th season. They're opening with Company in August. Uh, Auditions are open. Um, Yours truly is stage managing. So if you would like to be a lady who lunches and uh, throw martini glasses at me, I would like nothing more. Please audition. Um, Yeah. That, 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 that's those it. Are all the that's it. Um, if you're a parent and have children, we will yes. we will be running summer camp again Yay! this summer Ooh. from July 12th through August 13th. Please email me info at ggfct.com for more information. We haven't nailed down all of the details yet because why would you do that? Nope. Um, but there will be a sign up coming shortly, and I can't wait. Yes. I love children's theater. Yes. Bring those kids back to the theater. Bring me all the children. Yeah. Um, thank you very much, Connor, for being on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I just want to tell everybody, go to the store tonight. Go buy a cake that you enjoy. Make it and eat it. Because that's what I did last night and it was incredible. So You ate an entire eat the, cake? Eat, uh, no, we're still working on it. But <laughs> okay. There's, there's too few occasions, especially now during COVID, that you get to eat a cake. So just do it because it's delicious. You know, it'll make you happy. So there you go. I love that advice, Connor. Um, I'm going to add to your go eat a cake. If you make it a layer cake, don't use utensils. Scoop it with a wine glass. <laughs> <laughs> Scoop it with a wine glass and eat out of the wine glass That's because right. you can. Yeah. yeah. Who you says can. wine glasses are just for wine? Yeah. Use there's, them more. There's a viral video about it. And I did it over Christmas. And let me tell you, it was it fun. Change your life. Change your life. Wow. wow. Great. Well, there you go. Theater to do, cake to eat. 
<laughs> what more could you ask for? Nothing. Nothing. You want to take us away, Amy D? Sure. Well, thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you, Connor. That's all for us today, forks. Um, but tune in next time for more exciting things. As always, we have merch. Um, we do have merch. On Redbubble, we have an Instagram page and a Facebook page and a Gmail, all Theater Forks Pod. Um, give us a shout out. Still waiting on LaVista, Nebraska. I'm still waiting. I love you so much. I want to know who you are. Um, all right. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Theater Forks is hosted and produced by Amy Driscoll and Diana Shabai Booker. Our theme song was composed by Connor Walgus. Visit us at facebook.com slash theaterforkspod, on Instagram at theaterforkspod, or email us at theaterforkspod at gmail.com.